one day I was looking in his eyes. He was three months old. And I was dealing also with a postnatal depression with also all these hormones. And I felt depressed about my future, my career. And just looking in his eyes made me confident, but it also rest me assured, like, what are you going to say to your child when he's dealing with something similar or is he's dealing with something nasty at work? What would you tell him? And if you would say something to him, like you got to move or you got to take action to remove yourself from that toxic workplace, Mm -hmm. why are you not listening to that? And the moment that I heard that within myself, that was the moment that I have to break up, break up from a bad relationship. Hi, my name is Orlando and you're listening to Cooking Back to Our Roots with my mom, Vivian Aqua, the DE. I consulted at Amplify DEI. My mom will be talking to different guest speakers from the African diaspora in the Netherlands. The podcast is not just about food, but also about connecting the conversation with our roots and cultivating a deeper appreciation for our shared heritage. Welcome to the Cooking Back to Our Roots podcast, Vivian. This is a bit special because you're the host of Cooking Back to Our Roots. But today, I feel incredibly honored to be in your seat. My name is Marcia, by the way. I was about to say, who are you? I know, I know, I know. I I feel like I should introduce myself, although I have been on your podcast multiple times. Yes. And I'm very, very, very privileged because I get to be part of the Cooking Back to Our Roots series as well. And I feel extra, extra privileged when you asked me to interview you Mm -hmm. to tell your story on your Cooking Back to Our Roots podcast. So that's why I am here. And that's why I have uh, all these questions that I'm going to be asking you. Are you ready for them? People, I'm scared. <laughs> People, I'm scared. I'm scared about the questions that she's about to ask. No, I, I'll be kind. I value you as a true friend, but also I want to make sure that people also hear my side of the story in English and in Dutch as well, so that they can understand where this comes from, where cooking back to our roots comes from and why I decided to jump into a huge adventure, but also an adventure that can build bridges. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've had firsthand experience with that. (laughs) So I'm really excited to be here. So I'm going to kick it off with, Mm -hmm. I'm really curious, who are you Mm -hmm. and what do you do? Well, for those who don't know me yet, I am Vivian Aquaganian, born and raised in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Some of you might know me as the proud mom of Orlando. I'm also the partner of Jan, who wished to be anonymous. So I'll I'll keep it like that. I am 43 years old, even though I don't look like that. I look very young. I have my ombre hair, purple hair. And let's say that I started my career at a very young age, working as a financial consultant, IT consultant, had the opportunity to see so many companies, so many cultures, but then what made me become the person that I am today or the person that is a DEI consultant has to do with partially with Aranda and partially with myself as well is that I faced a maternal wall bias. I was bullied during my pregnancy and I'm blessed to have my child because it could have also ended up in a different situation. But my son, Orlando, is a blessing. He's literally my life coach because he's teaching us, his parents, you know, he's teaching us the value of life, but also the challenges that we are facing as 
different individuals in today's society. And I'm proud to be able to be that person that is creating, helping companies creating a virtual soil for diversity, equity, and inclusion so that I hope that by the time that my child is either becoming an employer or entrepreneur, that's upon him. When he has reached that age where he can definitely point to my mom did something about, you know, did something about exclusion, what's happening right now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, kids are interesting, right? They have such a big impact on who we are. They they actually fundamentally change our brains as well. So I I hear you. I hear you. You talked about your roots a little bit already. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more? You're from Ghana. Yeah. So what could you share a little bit more about what your roots mean to you? Yeah. So I haven't been to Ghana a lot. Born and raised here, but then when I was two years old, yeah, my parents sent me to Ghana. So that's what I know. I don't remember much about that, but the things that I do remember is the warmth. Everybody in Ghana, the way that I, if you look at episode number one, Kobe addresses me as his sister. It's very normal and common to address people as your family members. So everybody in Ghana could be my uncle. Everybody in Ghana could be my aunt. Everybody in Ghana could be my grandmother or my grandfather. That's how we create community. That's how we connect with each other. So the warmth, I'm looking forward to the warmth. To be fully transparent, at the time of the recording, it will be 23 years that the last time I've been to Ghana, it's 23 years. I know for a lot of people and a lot of Ghanaians listening to this episode, it will be a shock. But no, there's a reason for me not, you know, visiting my my roots. I want my child to be definitely to be a little bit older to get the injections and all the medicine that's needed to visit Ghana. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to see the rest of the world, right? I wanted to be able to connect with different parts of the world. But now that my son is old enough and my partner is also getting curious more about Ghana, we are definitely going there sooner than later. Not going to mention when. <laughs> what What else can I say about Ghana? Well, Ghana is known for its gold, its rich culture, but also the dark history. The way that, you know, the Ghanaian people at the time were, let's say what they were trading they are partially involved in the slave trade of the transatlantic slave trade where they thought, you know, they were exchanging people similarly into the way that they were treating their enslaved people, right? Which is much more hum- human, humane than how people were treated by white people at the time. Ghana apologized for that, by the way, for its involvement in that, but also because they did not know. What else can I say about Ghana? It's a very warm country. It's one of the one of the first African countries that remained, you know, got their independence. Unfortunately, there are still African countries there that don't have their independence, right? Look at the French colony. Don't want to tap into that, so I'm gonna to stick towards Ghana. What I love about Ghana, wow. It's richness, cocoa, chocolate, cocoa butter. When I think of Ghana plantains, uh-huh. I think of the warmth of the people, but also the messiness. <laughs> <laughs> but most of all, first and foremost, it's the love that you feel that I can describe. I want you to visit that country for you to experience it yourself, that you are embraced 
no matter who you are, no matter where you come from. Whereas in the Netherlands, you don't have that similar embracement. People have to get to know you better. It yeah. sometimes feels like you're interview you're being interviewed by people who you're not working for, just becoming friends. But we could learn so much more from the Ghanaian culture where you are embraced because they see the lighting. Yeah. Do you do you encounter any any stereotypes being here with your dark skinned woman? Mm -hmm. So you're yeah. a woman of color and it's yeah. you can clearly see for the stereotypical Dutch people, you're not yeah. Dutch, right? Even though yeah. you were born here and some people feel that way. Yeah. So do you encounter any stereotypes, for example, just to give you an example of what I'm thinking mm -hmm. about, like you're African, which yeah. is weird because Africa is a continent, right? Like yeah. stuff like that. What do you, what do you deal with? In the past, I mean, before being African was hip, right? Let's say that in the 90s and the 2000s and 2010s, yes, I've dealt with a lot of stereotypes. I mentioned in the show that being African wasn't hip. I wasn't seen as first class, neither second class nor third class. It was lower than lower class. And it did something with me because I didn't understand what I had done wrong. The only thing that was different was my upbringing, my culture, that's it. But in a way, I was dealing with a conflict between, yes, I, I can sense that I'm partially Netherlands because I'm raised here, but I'm also Ghanaian, yeah. which is sometimes causing a conflict on its own yeah. where it can be sometimes challenging to deal with that. But then again... I am, yeah, what people don't know is I'm neurodiverse. I can sit in my own bubble sometimes. And what helped me was me sitting in my own bubble. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you say that it's, it was the case and it's now you've grown. No, no, no. no I'm not dealing with that issue anymore. Uh, yeah, I can solve it right now and I know better. Yeah. But when we, people try to, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm being excluded from the harshness, but now I, I talk back, I speak back, right. and I speak up. Yeah. Right. yeah. All right. Then to bring it back to, because when you, when you talked about Ghana, you said, I, what I love about that, well, the, the plantain, you talked about food, right? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the show. Coming back to our roots. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite meal that you want to share with people? I love eating baked plantains or fried plantains in the past, but I started to change frying them because, the, you know, when you're frying plantains in home, at home, the smell of the oil, the oil smell afterwards, it's not something that you want to wake up the next day to, oh, I've eaten fried plantains. So I think around the time that I became a mom for Orlando and also me living in a house where I cannot use gas has helped me to make a, um, a conscious decision of not buying a frying pan where you can smell the oil scents and found out that I can still manage to mimic that similar taste structure and smell uh -huh. and everything by baking it in the oven. Okay. And that's what I did also within season number one of Cooking Back to Our Roots. I had Michelle, I think I had Michelle, or no, Chalene, where I, I showed her that there is a healthier way of baking plantains in the oven or even in, within the air fryer where you don't have to use that much oil and still can taste the essence of being back in Ghana by baking your plantains. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me hungry. Oh, sorry. 
what you always do. Which which leads me to the It's a disclaimer, people. Listening yeah. to the show or watching the episodes. I know that I'm not selling or sharing any recipes for the recipes. You really have to look into the newsletter where I'm sharing more recipes from other people, right? How to make things, but I'm known for to seduce people with food. So this is the disclaimer. Okay. But why is that? Why is food such a, it's a really big part of who you are, how you communicate both in life and, and in your work. It's, I would blame my grandmother. Okay. In the first. Banker, right? Banker. Not blame and tanker. Blame and tanker. Blame and tanker. It's, it's because of my grandmother. My grandmother is, let's say, the foundation of who I am, but also the pillar of, of our family, or at least my, my father's side of the family. And. I noticed that a lot of people were saying that you resemble your your grandmother in so many ways. And I could relate to her. Not that I needed so many words to communicate with her, but being with her, just being in with her presence of when she was cooking, I was still in she. I was watching her carefully showing love. And the way that we show love, Ghanaian way, is through food, right? Through our hearts and through the warmness that you get. And Unfortunately, she passed away in 2009. Oh, she passed away in 2009 and I could not be there for a funeral. Mm -hmm. So for me, this was a way to tribute her. This is a way to connect my past with my present and also my future, which is my son, that he will find something and also, you know, the future generation will find some comfort in knowing who you are, where you come from and knowing your roots. That's, that's where it comes from. And I still talk to her like she's here. I know she's not here, but she's here in my heart and it's my tribute to her. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's really, really wonderful. And it it is a, it's a fundamental human desire, right? Not fruits to know where you're from. So that's a really nice way to tune to that. Yeah. You, you've had these conversations with a lot of people from many different places during this Cooking Back to Your Roots series. What did you learn from listening to their perspectives and their backgrounds? I learned first and foremost that having this conversation, it's a privilege to get to know all of these people on a different level, on a deeper level. Questions are being asked that which are not normally asked when you're curious about somebody. And I've been mesmerized with the answers that, you know, all the guest speakers have been sharing. And I realized I want to know more. I want to learn more. But I also want to be able to provide that platform for people to do some digging in their roots. The majority of the guests, so when they came up for the show or said yes to the show, the majority of the guests went back to their family and started asking questions about, where are my roots? What can I do? What can I learn? And this was even without me asking them to do that, right? They went ahead to do that. And I value that. I truly value the stories. And this this project has been a blessing in disguise because I'm dealing with the recovery of my ankle injury. And it, it has shown me a way that with or without this injury, you have a gift. And I'm using this gift to help others share their stories. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it in a wonderful way. I can attest to that, obviously, being one of the guests. The first thing I did after you invited me was stress Google Trinidadian recipes. (laughs) 
So I was like, I didn't know it. Help. Then I was like, mom, dad, well, what is yeah. typically like it, it was all thing. But then it did lead me to think about my own background more and dig into that. So that's it's, it truly is a gift. So thank you for that. Thank you. What about your own past? How do you look back on your own past? I, uh, I mentioned that I'm neurodiverse. So I realized that in my past, what has been helping me is me being neurodiverse and being in my own bubble. Because growing up as the, the only one, and I was the only one, I have four, uh, no, three siblings, so two brothers, little brothers and one sister. And the age difference is eight, ten, and fourteen. Age difference? Age difference. Oh, yeah. it's a big age yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm the mama of mm-hmm. the whole clan. And I was alone for a long time till I was eight. And it did something to me. Because I was the only one, I learned at a young age to, how do you say that? To become one of them instead of figuring out my own identity, right? Mm-hmm. And then after my brothers and sister came, I become, yeah, it's normal that the elders helps with the family or taking care of the others. So I became a mom. And also that made it challenging for me to find my own identity. Mm-hmm. Until the time when I left left house and, and started living on my own together with my then ex, I started to figure out who I was, mm-hmm. what are my superpowers, and where where who do I want to be in the world, right? Because all this time, the, yeah, in the beginning of my career, I wanted to do something for them instead of something that makes me proud. Yeah. something for others or something that has statue, right? A lot of African people or people from the African diaspora, they believe in having a job that has statue, that pays well, that maybe provides a car and uh, some bonuses and you should be happy. Not looking into what makes you happy, what makes you think. Wasn't easy. Was not easy at all. And it's not that I don't want to remember, I don't want to you know, reconnect with that part of the Vivian because I've been to, I've had my conversation with psychologists. I've had my conversations with mental support and it's challenging to grow between two cultures, dealing with parents that um, my mom is neurodiverse, so I understand her better now, but at the time I did not understand her and her way of caring was having a plate to eat or a dinner to eat, a house and support. And when it comes to affection, it wasn't really at all. Mm-hmm. And that for me was challenging mm. because I am the hug beer. I am the person that hugs or that wants to show affection in a professional way, of course, people. So don't come to me. <laughs> Just want to make that clear. It was challenging. Yeah. It was challenging. Noticing that other kids did have that affection at home. I did not have that. And did that, because I want to just also go back to what you said about always adapting. Mm-hmm. What comes to mind for me is assimilating. Yeah, it's code switching. Yeah. Right? Wherever you are, you switch yeah. to like the code that is appropriate for that yeah. situation, yeah. which is what a lot of people of color have to do yeah. in yeah. their professional lives every day. Yeah. But now I've gotten to know you only a couple of years ago and you stand out. 
Mm-hmm. The way you dress, the way you look, you stand out. Is that the result of having to do that? Yeah. And then being like, no, now I'm going to be 500% myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's the result of that. I was always masking myself or living up to other people, their standards that the moment that I became, let's say the moment that I became a mom, because mm-hmm. that's what Orlando did with me. He unlocked my inner Phoenix. Yeah. That's what he did to me. And the tipping point was dealing with the BS about me being pregnant, but also being bullied. Mm-hmm. I was like, no. And one day, I don't know how or when, but one day I was looking in his eyes. He was three months old. And I was dealing also with a postnatal depression with also all these hormones. And mm-hmm. I felt depressed about my future, my career. And just looking in his eyes made me confident but it also rests me assured like what are you going to say to your child when he's dealing with something similar or is he's dealing with something nasty at work what would you tell him and if you would say something to him like you got to move or you got to take action to remove yourself from that toxic workplace Mm -hmm. why are you not listening to that and the moment that I heard that within myself that was the moment that I have to break up break up from a bad relationship yeah, which wasn't easy because how do you do that when you want to leave, but the company doesn't want you to leave? Yeah, yeah, I get that, and that, but all of that has brought you to who you are. Definitely, who you Definitely. Are. it was a bad breakup. I eventually made you know made it out, but it was weird that they didn't want me. Then I wanted to leave, and then when I wanted to leave, they didn't want me to leave. Yeah, but now you're gone. Yeah, and now you're in a year. Yeah. So we just talked about the past. Let's yeah. segue into the present. Mm-hmm. Which present? Because I don't know what if I would want to talk about what <laughs> A lot is we're in an interesting relationship with each other in, at the moment in society. And let's 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 define the relationship right before people go thinking what what relationship are you referring to? The, the political relationship. Okay. <laughs> anything like what is people what? <laughs> No, 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 no. We, I mean, we as human beings. And like in the Netherlands. Yes. And maybe even, maybe it's even a global phenomenon. Yeah, also. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's everywhere. And, and what's happening right now in our country, the Netherlands with politics is, I think, a reflection of what's going on in the world. But to demystify what's happening. So recently out of the election, a party won big. I'm not going to mention this party name because I don't want to give this party a prison, but they want big and they, I see them connecting themselves with far right. That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. The far right is, and, and like I said, that I think that is a global phenomenon. Yes. And you see that happening True. in the Netherlands. And True. it's unfortunately not completely unexpected. I, mm. I mean, I'm sad about it because I don't adhere to that frame of thinking, but mm. that's the way it is. That's the present. So yeah. is there anything that you want to share with people about how can we how can we deal with this? How can we deal with, and not just, I'm not just talking about the political situation, just the world in which we live, the present right now. How do we deal with everything that is going on? I do believe that without, you know, it, the conversation becoming too political, I do believe that we need to have conversations about this because everybody, a lot of people are working around with WTF. And mm-hmm. I'm going to swear, WTF, like what's happening here? We need to talk about it. I've seen situations where organizations want to not address it because they don't want to, you know, make people choose on a political end. But then again, people need to be allowed to have these conversations 
in the workplace or at a certain setting, because if you don't, then something else is simmering. So I would encourage people to have a conversation in a safe space, psychological safe space, where they can address it. How do I find my safe space? Well, I'm part of different communities, right? I have had conversations for the show with OMEC. I'm very involved within the OMEC community. I'm also indirectly involved with Roots Inspire, and I have my tribe of people where I've been to. Marsha is one of my, you know, I'm the person that always sends gifts. I don't express myself with words. I express myself with giffies. <laughs> and that's how I try to then to try to express. Sometimes you need, no, not sometimes, you need people. You need to be surrounded with people that lift you up, that support you, that cheer you and be supportive no matter what. And I have many friends that do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sense of community. Which is community is one of the four main pillars of well-being, right? Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense, yeah. particularly when yeah. you're especially not struggling. Yeah, exactly. Especially while also I think the challenge there is also creating a community that is still open to people who are others, like others yeah. who are different. Yeah. Yeah. So that you don't resort to what is happening in society where people are like there's a very much an in-group focus right now. True, true. And what I try to address all the time is when you see me, I'm a very tall black woman. What you don't see is I'm a neurodiverse woman. I am currently dealing with a temporary disability. And it's not that I'm not advocating for cultural diversity, but I, I'm sharing all these different labels towards me because I'm intersectional. And I want us to make space for other people, mm -hmm. no matter what their background is, no matter what their opinion is, mm -hmm. I want to make space for everybody. So it's not replacing the other, you know, the other ethnicity mm -hmm. or somebody else. And that I'm seeing the media being doing right, highlighting a lot of black people in advertising, highlighting so many people, companies do that as well, where I'm wondering, who are you fooling? Because people can look through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the ultimate conundrum also for organizations, right? Mm -hmm. How do you do it? How do you get it right? And that's why it's so important that there are people out there with expertise and, and you open your doors as organizations to that expertise. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So we talked about the past. Mm -hmm. We talked about the present. Mm -hmm. Now I want to talk about the future. Let's please do. Because... I'm hoping that you're optimistic about the future. I'm hoping yeah. that we can end this on an uplifting note. What would be your message mm -hmm. for the future that you want to share with everyone listening right now when it comes to dealing with challenges, dealing with everything that's going on? I have two messages. One is identify who you are, find your values, find who you want to be. If you see a role model, Look, look into yourself. Why are they role models for you and trying to find your niche in this whole space so that you can be you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a copy of Marcia. I can't. She's a tornado for me. I don't want to be a copy of Anita. Cannot be. I don't want to be a copy of somebody else. I want to be uniquely myself and being uniquely myself is embracing myself with the colors that I know I have inside of me, bringing that out. So therefore, you'll see me with my ombre hair because I've always doubted in the past of me wearing colorful hair would be professional. Mm. And eventually I said, F it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand out. If, if me be 
I wasn't already standing out, but still I'm going to stand out, wear my African dress and represent people in general, in general. Yeah. And the second message that I want you to walk away with is find your mentor or your sponsor. I wish I had known that concept very early on in my career that would have helped me. Even recently, I shared an image. I shared a post highlighting you, Marsha, because you have been very pivotal for me in my past year within my development personally, but also professionally. But I also shared, talked about Hillary Richards, where she's working in the domain domain which consultancy firm which I started my career and I was the only one Mm. being the only one in the workplace isn't fun no and I want you to find your mentor to find your sponsor to connect with them so that they can support you in not feeling alone and so that you don't have to invent the wheel but create your little version of your own tweak it a little bit that's what I'm looking for yeah I love that. And I love that you opened the door to bring in Formula One because I get to say that Lewis Hamilton once said, to embrace your difference is to understand your potential. And I had to put it, I told you, it was on another podcast of yours that I said, I will bring Formula One into any conversation. If people, if you could see my friends here. Now I have to open the door. If you could see my face. So I've been in a relationship for 13 years and my partner it loves Formula One. Every time that he talks about Formula One, it's like, no, I'm leaving. It's not interesting. No, 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 no. So ever since knowing Marshall, she has managed to influence me to gain interest. Gain. Uh-huh. Gain interest <laughs> to addressing Formula One, not only in my home. Uh-huh. Not only in my podcast, mm-hmm. managed to sneak attack <laughs> Formula One in this conversation. Listen, I'm putting you on a pedestal, right? Because you know how I feel about Lewis Hamilton and what he's doing for the world. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is, it is, it is that I love you, that I tolerate this topic being addressed. But on, on all seriousness, though, Marsha knows how I feel about Formula One. I mean, it's not that I dislike the race or the sport, quote, quote, sport. It's about what I notice and what I see and also about the multiple rounds that these races are are driving. Where I'm like, how sustainable is that? Yeah. And a lot of things, but it's not about formula. It's not about formula one. Yeah. What this was about was about saying what you, the message. Yeah, I know because that's what I do. But I think the message yes. is more important than the source. Like it's about what you're and you're you're sharing that same message. And I think that is really really important to embrace your differences, to understand the potential. And if you can find sponsors, yeah. not mentors, sponsors. Yeah who embrace that difference as well and who can see your potential, yeah. then that's how you can lift yourself. And- thank you. Thank you for bringing me back into here. Because <laughs> I was just on a little rant. We good. We good. We good. I got you. Well, Vivian, thank you very much for being on your show. <laughs> I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. 
I hope everyone listening enjoyed it as well. And definitely, if you haven't yet done it, check out the other episodes of Cooking Back to Our Roots because they really are amazing. You've done some some amazing things here. So thank you for having me as a host on your show. Thank you. It has been a joy. Don't listen into our conversation. I'll keep them private, but it's always a joy and a blessing to have a conversation with somebody that recognizes you, that sees you for who you are. And a little side note, people, I noticed Marsha at an event two years, I think two or three years ago. I, instead of saying, hi, my name is Vivian, <laughs> I just kidnapped her to <laughs> experience the VR experience. And since then we have been connected and yeah. she has been a true, true friend. And thank you for doing this. I love that. Thank you very much, Vivian. That's the end. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cooking Back to Our Roots. I hope you enjoyed my mom's conversation with the guest speakers. If you love what you heard today, don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family. Until next time, bye!